Hi, welcome again to another episode of When Scriptures Become Real. We're back again. My computer's finally fixed. Uh, we're ready to go, and we're we're back to recording. So I'm thankful to be uh, back with you guys studying uh, the scriptures. Uh, what we want to do today <clears throat> is we want to discuss the topic: What type of Christian are you? What type of Christian are you? And I want to take this into a a different type of of way or or different type of study, if you will. The other day, you know, I was I was listening to an audio book and I was watching uh, watching sports. And, you know, this is the type of the, the time of year, actually, that the NBA gets really big. It's where the finals are, are getting close and where NBA basketball gets tougher and tougher each round. And the commentators every single year, they bring up the same two words, responsibility, and they bring up pressure. And they, they compare two players all the time. They always compare this player who can he deal with the pressure? And then this player, can he deal with the pressure and the responsibility that comes with it? And, you know, I was thinking about those two words, pressure and responsibility. And, and while I was thinking about that, I actually read an article um, from an athletic trainer uh, by the name of Tim Grover. Uh, and Tim Grover, he doesn't train athletes that want to win a championship, right? He doesn't train athletes that are on the road to winning or right there to win a championship. His job is to come in and train athletes that have won multiple times to help them win more, right? So he is the ultimate trainer, but he describes three type of athletes that he's come in contact with. And I wanted to to look at this because we're going to make a comparison. The first type of athlete that he discusses is a cooler athlete. A cooler athlete is someone who is ordinary, someone who basically he goes to work, does what he has to do, then then he goes home, doesn't give you anything more, doesn't give you anything less. That's a cooler. The second type of athlete that he describes is a closer athlete. And this athlete, he can give you um, extraordinary results. But he can only do that when things are in his favor, right? When nothing is too difficult for him, when the variables line up perfectly with what's happening with him, he's fine. He'll give you extraordinary results. But then the last one is the ultimate. Uh, the ultimate athlete is the cleaner. And he describes the cleaner as no matter what variable is thrown at them, whether it's injury, whether it's trades, whether it's uh, hatred from the fans, whether it's hatred from within the organization, it doesn't matter what it is. They will always give you greatness without excuses. They're always just going to give you greatness. And I, I thought about that for a moment and I thought, man, like that's a great comparison for the types of Christian that there are Christians that there are in the church. And that's what we're going to look at today. What type of Christian are you? Are you a cooler? Are you a closer? Are you a cleaner? All right, let's 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 get into our study. <clears throat> so let's start off with the first one, a cooler. Again, the definition of a cooler is they are described as ordinary. They just give you what's what's expected of them. Nothing more, nothing less. Is that the type of Christian that you want to be? Sometimes I describe this type as a clock in Christian. What does that mean? It's remember when you had your first job and every time you came in, you clocked in, did what you did and then clocked out. Essentially, that's what a cooler Christian does. They clock in on Sunday morning. 
Maybe clock in Sunday night. Maybe clock in Wednesday, but I'll definitely be there Sunday morning. And the clock in, clock out, clock in, clock out every Sunday, every Wednesday, over and over and over and over again to where it is not a part of who they are. It's what they do. It's just another thing I do. Just go to service, do this, and then I, I go home. It's a cooler. You know, they really do nothing more than show up. It's just a body. Not They're not concerned with spiritual growth. They're not concerned with their own personal growth. But what they are concerned with a lot of times is complaining and murmuring. You see, through scripture, those are the types of people that complain and murmur the most are the ones that don't do anything, right? They, they're not involved in the work. Well, how do you know that? Let's let the Bible talk. Let's go to Numbers chapter 14. And again, with this podcast, uh, we let the Bible speak. You know, um, you know what we want to do, we, we want to emulate the right things that we read about. But then the things that we don't want to do, we learn from it. But our examples come from the scripture of what we want to do. And that's what we're going to do today. Okay. So number chapter 14, just to give you some background again, remember the previous chapter in chapter 13, um, we had Moses sent out the, the 12 spies and Joshua and Caleb were a part of the 12. They came back. The two said, we can take this land. Let's go. Let's take it. But then the other 10 said, no, we, we can't do it. And I want you to notice what happened with the people. So a great example of a cooler person or a type of people were the were the Israelites. And I want you to notice this. Numbers chapter 14, starting verse 1. And all of the congregation lifted up their voice and they cried and all the people wept that night. And the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron and against the whole congregation and said unto them, Would God that we had died in this land of Egypt or would God that we had died in this wilderness? Let's think about what Moses helped them do. You were in bondage for years, for years under Pharaoh, who who wasn't going to let you go. Through the grace of God, he allowed you to come through with my leadership. I help you to get out of the land of Egypt, and you want to go back. You want to go back. You see, they complain and they murmur, and they complain and they murmur. They show up. They're there. For sure, they'll be there. But they'll complain and they'll murmur. You ever met a Christian like that? They don't really do any work, per se. But they they will give you their two cents on a lot of things. And they seem to have all the answers. Are you that type of Christian? Am I that type of Christian? I hope not. I hope we're not cooler Christians. And if you look again, go down to verse number 10. And then after that, after they didn't get their way, then they get angry. Verse 10. And all the congregation bade them with stones. You see, when you when they don't listen to us, okay, we'll we'll just get mad because they didn't listen to my complaining and their murmuring. See, we don't want to be cooler Christians. We don't just want to be the people that show up and complain. We don't want to be the people that that just show up and not do anything, not not concerned with our spiritual growth, but we're concerned with everybody else. And every we know what everyone else should be doing, but we're not doing anything with ourselves. Let's not be cooler Christians. So first example, a cooler, and he's ordinary. He'll complain. He'll murmur that he's he's ordinary. He just 
does what he feels is expected of him. What's the second example? Second example is a closer Christian. This Christian, he can give you extraordinary, extraordinary results, do great things in the kingdom. But this person, he or she, can only do this when things are great for them. They can only do it when circumstances are great. They can only do it where they nothing else is thrown at them, no other variable. They can just exist. And what's a great Christian example of that? One person that comes to mind for me is the Apostle Peter. And I want you to notice some of these, some of these examples um, for Peter. All right, so let, let's look at the example of Peter. Again, let's take our Bibles and let's go to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. And here's this perfect example of Peter being a cleaner. He could be extraordinary, but when other variables are thrown at him, he might not be so extraordinary. Let's start in verse 23. And when he sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone talking about Christ. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea tossed with the waves and the wind was contrary. In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus said unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a spirit. And they cried out for fear. This man's walking on the sea. He's doing something extraordinary. He just did a miracle. He's walking on water. And who's the first person that wants to do it? Peter. I want you to notice this. Verse 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it will be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come out of the ship, he walked on the water. Stop right there. Peter just did something extraordinary. He was he was walking on water. His eyes are focused on Christ. He's doing exactly what Christ wants him to do. But there's no resistance around him yet. Yet. Let's keep reading. And when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And he began to sink. And he cried and he said, Lord, save me. You see, he could do extraordinary things when things were how he wanted them to be. You see, the wind wasn't boisterous. You see, he was looking to Christ. But when other elements are thrown in, can you still look at Christ? You see, Peter began to sink. See, he was a cleaner. He could do extraordinary things. But when other variables were thrown into his life, he didn't do so well. Well, let's look at another example. We can't just use one. Let's use another one. Let's go to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. And again, this is here. Remember when uh, Christ was telling them uh, that all of them were basically basically going to deny him. Right. And here's the scene. Matthew chapter 26. I want to start in verse 31. Let's look at let's look at Peter here. Then said Jesus unto them, the disciples, all you shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I'm risen again, I will go before you in Galilee. Who's the first person to speak up after that? We all know it's Peter. And Peter answered and said unto him, though all men should be offended of thee, yet I will never be offended. You see, I, you know, Peter 
he always had good intentions. And that's that's something that I can relate to. Always have good intentions, but you may not do it the right way, right? And Peter, he just didn't do it the right way here. And here's here's another side note for verse 33. Peter said, even though everyone else is going to offend you, I'll never do it. I will never offend you. One lesson that I've learned is never say that you'll never do this or this or this. Because you never know until you're put into that situation, right? And Peter here, being the confident guy he was, saying, I'll never, I'll never do it. Peter said he would never do it because things were great right now. All his friends were there. The apostles were there. Jesus was still there. Nothing bad had happened yet. So I could have all the confidence in the world. But watch variables start to change. Let's keep reading. But after, or verse 34. But Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, this night before the cock crows, you will deny me thrice. But then Peter said again, Though I will die with you, I will never deny you. And likewise said all the all the disciples, I'll never, I'll never do it. Okay. Let's let's change some variables around then, guys. Let's start changing. So let's let's change the scene. Now Judas comes, betrays him. All the other disciples are gone. Peter looks around. Okay, um, all my friends that were here supporting me are gone. They take Jesus. My master is gone now. So I'm just, I'm here by myself. Situation's changed now, isn't it? Now let's see if he still has that same confidence. Jump down to verse, uh, verse 70 of the same chapter. Verse 70. Actually, uh, let's start in verse 69. Verse 69. <clears throat> now Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou thou was with Peter of Galilee, or with, with Christ of Galilee. But he denied them all, saying, I know not what you say. Situations change now. Where was that confidence that you just had when everyone was around? One strike. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said, this fellow, he was he was with Jesus of Nazareth, and he denied them with an oath. I do not know the man. You see, let's let's talk about an oath for a second. Remember, we're talking about uh, the first century here. An oath there, when you had an oath, you know, as the scriptures say, let your uh, yea be yea and your nay be nay. Either you're gonna either you're gonna do it or you're not gonna do it. And he said here, look with an oath, with a promise. I don't know him. I don't know him. Strike two. And after a while came unto him and someone stood by and said to Peter, surely thou art one of them for your, your speech betrays you. You don't really believe what you're saying. And he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. Can you imagine? Sometimes I, I can't imagine this, but imagine Peter, the great man that he was developing into. Imagine him cursing. You ever seen those? Hopefully you haven't seen these shows, but you've seen examples of shows where they bleep words out. Can you imagine Peter getting bleeped out saying, I don't bleep, bleep, bleep. I don't know him. I I don't know him. You see situations for Peter start to change. You see, back then everyone was supporting him. Oh, yeah, we'll never. Oh, no, nah, we'll never deny you. You're right here. OK, take Jesus away. Take all your supporters and friends that agree with you, Peter, away. 
now you're by yourself. You still going to do it? Uh, nope. Uh, I, I don't know. Are you that type of Christian? You a cleaner Christian? To where, uh, you know what? I can do some great things. Or a closer Christian, I'm sorry. I, I can do some awesome things, but things have to be the way that I want them to be. They got to be they got to be perfect. Any other variables that jump in? I I can't do it. You see, our faith has to go through resistance. And so you can't stay a cleaner Christian forever. You see, in Peter, he did and he developed and he became a great, great elder. But don't be like him earlier to where you can only do great things when things are easy. You see, you see who you are when things are hard, when things are difficult, when your faith is being tested over and over and over and over again. That's when you see what you're really made out of, not once you made it on the other side. So we looked at a cooler Christian and we looked at a closer Christian. Last one, the ultimate the ultimate that Tim Grover athlete-wise described. He described them as a cleaner Christian, right? And this cleaner Christian is one that can give you extraordinary results no matter what's thrown at them. You can throw injury at them. I'm going to come back. You can throw trades at them. I'm still going to win here. You can throw hatred at them. I'm still going to press on. No matter what variable is thrown their way, remember, we're talking athlete-wise now, they will always perform. And he used this example, and I thought it was pretty cool how he used this. He used um, Michael Jordan and he used Tom Brady, the GOATs in their respective fields. And he said, he used this example. He said, let's say Tom throws six touchdowns one day. The average quarterback would think he's the best thing since sliced bread. But a cleaner quarterback, he's it doesn't excite him because he's a quarterback. The object of a quarterback is to throw touchdowns. Even if he threw 50, they're touchdowns. That's what I'm supposed to do. It's not anything great. He used Michael. Yeah, he can have 45 one night, 60 one night, 65 one night. And it it's nothing to him because I'm supposed to put the ball in the basket. That's the object of the game. It's nothing special. You see, for some guys, oh, man, I'm the best thing ever. But to them, it's my job. It's what I'm supposed to do. You see, a cleaner person will give you extraordinary results every single time. And the awesome thing about it, too, is they'll do it without excuses. And one person comes to mind when we talk about a cleaner Christian, is the Apostle Paul. Remember, I believe it's Acts chapter 9. Remember, right after he's converted, and then he comes to, to come with the disciples. First first thing as a Christian, he has some controversy. Are, are, are you, you? You're Saul. You, no, you can't be with us. There's, we're not going to let you be with us. Okay, I'll go over here and preach then. Oh, we'll we'll stone you. Okay, I'll go over here and preach. We'll throw you in jail. Okay, I'll sing in jail. I'll preach in jail. Okay, well, we'll we'll throw you out of the city. Okay, I'll go to another city and preach. You see, with the cleaner Christian, no matter what variable you throw at them, 
they will always provide spiritual greatness. And not greatness in the sense of everyone seeing you greatness, not earthly greatness. Greatness as in I will give my whole being to God, no matter if I have a great following or if it's just me. And you think about a cleaner, a cleaner faith. You remember in Hebrews chapter 11, we have all those examples of men and women of faith, right? All these great examples. And then we have men like Joseph and Job and Paul and Christ. Have you ever sat down and really wondered and really compared what's the common denominator between all those great men of faith? All of them, in terms of the ones that I just mentioned specifically, they weren't afraid to be alone. Whether Job, Christ, Joseph had a nation following them, or if it was literally, literally just them and God, they still provided spiritual greatness. You see, greatness in Christianity isn't defined by numbers. That's not what greatness is defined by. Greatness is defined by obedience, not by number count. It's provided by obedience. And these men understood that. And sometimes you wonder, you study these guys, how could these guys get through that? They had literally no one there. It was just them. How could they do it? Because they had faith in God, who they worked for, to help them through that. Even when everyone else around them failed, even when they failed themselves, they still had faith in God. And no matter what variable was thrown their way, oh, I'll take away your family. I'll take away your money. I'll take away uh, your friends. I'll take away your position in life. I will bring you down to the lowest of the low. I'll take away your health. I'll take away your name. I'll take away the respect that people have for you. No matter what variable was thrown in their way, they always provided greatness for God. Brother, that's what I want to be. I want to be a spiritual cleaner. But here's here's the thing that Tim said about a cleaner. A cleaner doesn't have to tell everyone else that he's a cleaner. You see, sometimes we just want to be great so other people can see our greatness. Or I've heard Christians, they live the way that they live so they can prove other Christians wrong. Oh, I'll prove to you that I can be a Christian. I'll prove to you that I can be faithful. Stop. You not no. A cleaner Christian only proves to God that he is faithful. That's what it is. It's not for everyone else. I'm not living a faithful life to prove to someone else that I can live faithfully. I'm not living a faithful life to prove to them that I'm Christian. I'm living a faithful life because God commanded me to live one. That's what a spiritual cleaner is. Are you that? And I want you to look at this. This is this is the epitome of a spiritual cleaner. Go to Luke chapter 17. <clears throat> Luke chapter 17. And let's start um, in verse number 
Uh, yeah, let's start in verse number two. Actually, let's let's just get the whole context before we start. This is the lesson on faith in Luke 17. And basically, this is where uh, Christ teaches a lesson on forgiveness. So if someone trespasses, trespasses against you seven times in a day, then seven times you, you forgive them, right? Some people think... <laughs> Some people think when they forgive someone, they're doing some great thing. Some people think when they forgive someone, they're, well, you better be glad I forgave you because I I didn't have to do that. I didn't have to, I didn't have to forgive you. I was this close to not forgiving you, but you better be glad I'm a Christian. Some people have that idea of forgiveness, that it's something that we earn from each other. Nah, that's it's our job. That's what we do because God did it to us. So we do it to each other. And so that's that's the the scene of it. But I want you to notice verse 10. That's not some great thing. Look at this. So likewise, ye, when you have done the things which are commanded of you, is forgiving one another commanded of us? Yes. Is evangelizing commanded of us? Yes. Is loving one another commanded of us? Yes. So it's not some great thing when we do what we're supposed to do. Just like Tim said, Tom's supposed to throw touchdowns, no matter how many it is. Mike's supposed to score. That's what he's supposed to do. As a Christians, living by faith, forgiving, loving one another, it's not some special thing. It's it's our job. That's what we do. And look, so likewise, when you have done the things which are commanded you, you are to say, I'm awesome. You are to say, you better be glad I forgave you. You are to say, man, I'm I'm so strong that I forgave. You are to say, we are unprofitable servants and we have done that, which is our duty to do. I'm just doing my job as a Christian. You're just doing your job. That's a spiritual cleaner. And that's the ultimate. Don't you want to be that guy? Don't you want to be that that woman in Christ. And the great thing about it too, again, is a cleaner doesn't, everyone else doesn't have to know that he's a cleaner. Everyone doesn't have to know about your works. Everyone doesn't have to know about how many people you've baptized. Everybody doesn't have to know every single degree you have. Everybody doesn't have to know how many sermons you've preached. Everybody doesn't have to know that. For the cleaner, if one soul doesn't know what he's done for God, he's completely fine because he's working for God anyway. So as long as God knows, he's satisfied because he's doing what he's supposed to do for him, for him. So which type of Christian are you? Are you a cooler? You just show up. Are you ordinary? Are you a are you a, a closer to where you, you can do some great things, but things have to be in your favor to do those great things? Or are you a cleaner to where no matter what variable is thrown in your way, no matter what is taken from you, no matter what happens to you, you will still provide spiritual greatness for God. I hope you want to be that because that's what I'm striving to be every single day. And I hope you want to, too. Thank you so much for studying with me today. It was so good to be back with you all to study the scriptures. Um, 
you know, there's just so much to work on. You know, you, you think so many times you got things figured out. You know, you think you, you're, you're doing all right. You know, but there's always something that you can just do better at that you're not. And if you have an honest heart, you'll, you'll try to get better, you know, and that's, a, that's just what I want to do. And I just want to get better. And I hope you do too. Um, again, um, I actually wrote an article on this. And so I'm going to post this on the Twitter page along with this video. Uh, if you're new, you can also subscribe on YouTube. Uh, you can like and subscribe there. And then you can also look at the articles and the videos on my professional site on linkedin.com. Just looked in or just look up uh, my name, Jordan Pugh, and then you'll find me there and you'll find the articles. You'll also find the videos there, too. We're also on iTunes. Uh, you can download it there and you can also download it on the podcast app on your on your iPhone as well. Uh, thank you so much for studying with me. Hopefully we continue to grow and we can, we can get better together. Thank you.